the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Grace and peace to you and welcome to Radio for Real Life with Sean Ozaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas, a church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. And today we're going to hear the final message in a series called Awake. The message is called The Greatest Thing. And of faith, hope, and love, the greatest of these is love. The greatest command Jesus gave us is to love God and to love each other. So with thankful hearts to the resurrected life, we accept the challenge to love like God loves us and His church. Reallife.org has this full message, sermon notes, and series available for free. But if you feel led to bless this listener-supported radio ministry, then you may do so also right there at reallife.org. First John chapter 4 is where Pastor Sean is teaching from. It's time for Radio for Real Life. But this morning we're going to wrap up Awake, Living the Resurrected Life. Remember we started on Easter and we said there's this sense of when we become a follower of Jesus, our spirit becomes alive and we are awakened. It's as though we were dead, our spirit was separated from God, dead in our sin, and because of Jesus we are made alive. And that changes us. And you remember the Apostle Paul, we read numerous different scriptures, actually all throughout this series, where it's like he almost wants to shake the church and says, wake up, come on. You ever had somebody who you just like, you don't understand what's happening, you want to shake them, wake up. Well, that's the way Paul was feeling. Because here we are filled with the Spirit of God, here we are people who should be living a life of power, living a life of freedom, and too many times we're not. And I have to tell you, as a pastor, as a Christian and you know, 2017 United States, I get the feeling. I get it. There's times I want, I, I hear things Christians say, I read things, I, I just listen to them, and I just want to go, wake up! We serve an awesome and a powerful Savior. And I guess there's some comfort in that we're not alone in this issue. If the Apostle Paul needed to do it, uh, you know, I need to quit whining about having to do it. We saw a resurrection is not a doctrine to be learned. It's a life to be lived. It's a different kind of life. We saw that God is working in us. We are awake to God's work in us and that he's changing us. We talked about the gift of new family, how when we become followers of Jesus, something happens, a spiritual DNA happens in us, and we become part of a new family. And last week we looked at the reality of the unseen, the spiritual, the spirit world, the eternal we saw that even in, in all the things, and we go, how can that happen? How can there be such evil in the world? We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Okay, this is not about the people. There's a spiritual battle going on, and it's real. And we saw that as we talked about awake to the unseen. And this week, we're going to conclude with what I, I really consider God's main point. God's main point. The title of the message is the greatest thing. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4, we are going to pick up uh, reading at verse 7. Okay, some of you may be familiar with parts of this passage. But I really believe this is kind of God's main point. Look what John writes in his epistle. He says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. That's some powerful language. 
he's kind of drawn a line in the sand. He says, this is it. You want to know what it's like to know God, to follow God? Well, this is it, love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. No one's ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and so his love is made complete in us. John's making it real clear about what the main point is. And here it is. If you're taking notes, write this down. The resurrected life awakens me to real love. The resurrected life awakens me to real love. There are a lot of great kinds of love in the world. And we've all experienced love, I hope. We could all tell stories of love, being in love, all the different things we talk about when it comes to love, but there's something that's different. John is talking about something different. And the resurrected life awakens me to a love like I've never experienced before. It truly is different. And this morning I want to talk about a new understanding of love, a new experience of love and a new motivation. I think John gives us a new understanding, a new experience, and a new motivation because of love. First thing, my understanding of God changes how I see love. My understanding of God changes how I see love. John makes some very significant statements, and they're worth kind of notating and saying, okay, this is in the Bible where it says that, right? In verse 8, he says that phrase. We say, God is love, oh, God is love, God is love. This is where it comes from. Verse 8, he said, whoever does not love God doesn't know God, because God is love. But then remember in verse 7, he said, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves been born of God knows God. Whoever doesn't love doesn't know God because God is love. I find that interesting because he really uses two pictures to describe this essence of God. In verse 7, he said, love comes from God. But he didn't leave it there because I want to suggest love is not like a package that he sends. Kind of like, okay, here's some love. And, you know, it says, no, no, because he is love. It emanates from him. It originated in him. He is love's source. He is the source. So when you stop and consider that we are filled with the Spirit of God, we now have the very source of love resident in us. Another interesting point, I think, is in verse 10, where remember what he said, this is love, and then he went to the negative. This is love, not that we loved God, okay? But that he loved us and sent his son. Well, we know why he sent his son, because we were sinners, we rejected him, we turned our back on him, and he sent Jesus to pay the penalty for our sin and to call us back. That's why he sent. And what John is saying is, it's not really love that we loved him because he's lovable. He's God. He's God the Father. He's a creator. He's provided all things. He says, no, no, there's a different level of love you go to when you understand that he loved us and he sent his son to pay the penalty for the sins of the people who crucified him, who rejected him, who thumbed our nose at him. He says, now that's love. We were sinners who rejected God's love, and he loved us anyway. It's one thing to love the lovable, isn't it? I mean, there's just some people it's easy to love, right? I have two new grandbabies, as you know. I mean, like in the last month, two. Went from two to four. The other night, I was sitting holding the two new ones, and I'm just like, 
I was. It's r- true. I just like. <laughs> Take one, bite them. They're just adorable, and they're just like, mmm. Don't bite my grandbabies, okay? I'm just, I can do it. You, you, don't be going out there, hey, I want to bite your baby's face. No, no. Okay. That's weird. But they're just so lovable, and it's like, oh, that's easy. There are certain people who just are sacrificial towards you and have invested in you and just given to you, and it's like, oh, I love them, and it's easy. Then there are others, and we all have them, right? Who it's hard. I have a family member who's taken our whole family, dragged them through hell. And I kind of am the primary point person in trying to take care of this person. It's been through drugs, it's been through alcohol, been through, through all sorts of just dark stuff. And it's just, now it's just basically needs someone to help take care of them. And that kind of has fallen primarily to me. And let me just tell you, um, I do it. And I do love him. But sometimes I find myself biting my lip. Mm -hmm. And don't judge me. Look at you. Like, Sean, you're a pastor for the love of God. What's wrong with you, Sean? Come on. You know what I'm talking about. It's like I care, but man, it's so frustrating. It could be different. You don't have, and I guess the more you care, the harder it becomes. Loving that person is, is really challenging. And you know, we throw the statement out, okay? Throw the statement out, you know, I don't like you, but I love you. Okay, I'm throwing a flag. I'm calling BS on that one. I'm sorry. I had a couple people last night when I said that, they rebuked me. A pastor shouldn't say BS. I said, I don't know what you mean. I was talking about Bible study. (laughs) Actually, what I said is you're lucky I didn't just say it. (laughs) But I'm sorry, that whole thing, you know, I don't like you, but I love you. I, I I don't know if that really works, okay? It's almost like it says, I know I should love you, but I kind of don't, but I'm gonna stand on what I should do. And maybe it's better than nothing, But what we're saying is, is what John is showing us is that, yeah, God's love is very different than that. It's not like that at all. Because when we were very unlovable, when we were rebellious, when we blew him off in every possible way, and then when we ultimately rejected him and killed him, he still loved us. Romans 5, 8, God demonstrates. In other words, he made it obvious demonstrates his love for us so that while we were still sinners christ died for us. some people think well i gotta get cleaned up and then i'll come to god that's ridiculous the whole point of the gospel is no no we can't clean ourselves up enough to match his level of holiness he came paid the penalty for our sins while we were still sinners he loved us and he died for us and let's take a quick minute to remind you you're listening to radio for real life with sean azaro a listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church in this message called The Greatest Thing, which is available right now on the sermon page at reallife.org. And there, if you're able to bless back, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Again, look for the Give tab at reallife.org. And if you're looking for a new church home, here's your invitation from Pastor Sean. Do you ever look at your life and feel like you were made for something more? Jesus made a simple statement. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came to give you abundant life, real life. I talk to a lot of people, and many seem to feel like they're settling for a whole lot less. 
Hi, I'm Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church, and we are so convinced that we were made for something better. We call ourselves a church for real life. I'd like to invite you to join us for one of our weekend gatherings, which are an exciting and artistic blend of music, reflection, and practical insights, all designed to explore the life that God meant for us. River City is located a mile and a half outside of Loop 1604 on Lookout Road across from Otama Park. Service times are Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 9.30 and 11.15 a.m. River City is a church for real life, so our home on the web is reallife.org. To find out more, visit us online at reallife.org. God created you for something very special. Come find out more at River City Community Church. And now back to the message, The Greatest Thing. This is Radio for Real Life. In, in verse 10, it's interesting. He said, this is love. Not that we, so, not that we love God. So he starts with a negative. And I want to talk a little bit about kind of the negative side. What love is not. What love is not. See, love is not lust, right? And we think of lust, we think of in terms of sexual sins and things like that. I'm just wanting to say to you, that's not really the full extent of the meaning. It just means lust is, you know, the Bible talks about lust of the eyes. I must have it. I must have it. I want it. Oh, I love it. Oh, I love that car. I love that car. I love that car. I must have that car. Oh, I love that house. Did you see that house? Oh, a lot of people on HGTV lusting up big, big time. Okay. HGTV lust. Mm. God forgive you. Oh, I love it. I love that. And we throw this word around and we, it's, I must have it. I want it. I want it. I want it. That's not the kind of love he's talking about. That's different. We can even have that kind of thing for a person. I want to have that person. I want that person. That's not really love. It's not simply lust. I must have it. Love is not sloppy sentimentalism. It's not. That's, love is not sloppy sentimentalism. And some are like, oh, but sloppy sentimentalism is so good, it's so sloppy. Things like sentiment, romance, feelings, they're not, they're not bad at all. They just aren't true love the way God uses the word. They're not. They change. Sentiment, romance, feelings. You know, when you hear the phrase, oh, we, fell, we just fell out of love. See, what, J- what John is trying to tell us is, no, that's not love. Love isn't like that. Love is not a feeling, which would kind of be a noun, I guess. He's trying to say, no, 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 love is a verb. Love is a verb. It's something you do, and that's what God did. So as I look at him, I understand, oh, okay, sloppy sentimentalism, romance, things like that, they're not bad. Those feelings are wonderful. They're fun. They're sweet. But they're not what John's talking about here. You know, love has no quid pro quo. Love has no quid pro quo, okay, which, which a lot of us, we were raised, and that was our understanding of love. You know, you, you do for me, I'll do for you. You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. See, that's conditional love. And that's kind of the excuse people use when they say, if we fell out of love, well, they stopped doing the things that they should have been doing, and so I was entitled to fall out of love. And John said, no, no, that's not love at all. Love the way God loves is absolutely unconditional. It's unconditional. He loved us sinners. See, love is the highest and most beautiful value for an intention for another person. Highest and most beautiful value of an intention for another person. 
C.S. Lewis said, God always allows us to feel the frailty of human love, so we'll appreciate the strength of his. There's wonderful kinds of love out there. Mother's love, love of, a, love of soldiers in a, in a, who've been in a foxhole together and their brother, brotherly love that they have for each other and that bond. There's all kinds of great love, family love, and they're wonderful. But they actually begin to pale and fall short in comparison to the love that God showed for us. I guess the biblical kind of final word on love is 1 Corinthians 13. I want to read it for you. I paraphrased a little bit just for readability, but I've stayed very true to just what the scripture was saying. But I wanted to read it. Just, just listen to what the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul wrote about love. He said, if I speak in beautiful tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I'm just making noise. I could have the gift of prophecy to see all mysteries and knowledge, or I could have faith strong enough to move mountains. But without love, I'm really nothing. If I were to give everything I own to the poor or throw myself in harm's way, but still be lacking in love, it would be meaningless. Love is patient and kind. It's not jealous or boastful. It's not proud. It doesn't put others down. It's not self-promoting. It doesn't have a short fuse. It doesn't keep score. Love does not delight in evil, but celebrates the truth. It always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always hangs on. Love never fails. When prophecies, one day they're going to cease. Where there are tongues, they'll be silenced. Where there's knowledge, it'll be unnecessary. For now, our knowledge and our prophecy are limited, but when he brings it all to completion, the limited things will simply disappear. When I was a child, I spoke and thought in childish ways. When I grew up, I put all that behind me. Today, it's like we see things as a dim reflection in a cloudy mirror. But then we'll see clearly, face to face. Now I know things partially. But then I'll know completely, even as I am completely known. There are three things that'll truly last. Faith, hope, and love. But even among these, the greatest is love. See, that's love. And as I was writing that out and, you know, kind of just working on it, I was convicted. I was convicted. Oh, man, Lord. That's what real love is, and your spirit resides in me, so the very source of that kind of love lives in me. Forgive me for so often hiding it and choosing something lesser something lower. The resurrected life awakens me to real love. And it's my understanding of God that changes how I see and even define love. Let's go back to 1 John. Let's pick up at verse 13. He goes on, he says this. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He's given us of his spirit. And we've seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. Make note of that phrase. In this world, we are like Jesus. He's talking about love. He's talking about a spirit in us. 
God's actual love dwelling in us. And in this world, we're like Jesus. There's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Second thing I want us to look at is my experience of love changes how I see myself. So remember, my understanding of God changes how I see love, but my actual experience of love changes now how I see myself. See, I am truly loved. And and this is so huge. We know this radically impacts people. He gave his very life. He went through unbelievable lengths to show you, not just tell you, but to show you how much he loved you. He delights in you. Do you know that? He's with you. Okay? He didn't just kind of send a letter. I love you guys a lot. So awesome. Can't wait to see you when you get to heaven. It's going to be cool. He came to stay. He came to fill us with his spirit. And we think sometimes, well, he came to fill us with the spirit. We focus on the, the kind of the power of the spirit, right? And the Bible talks about it, so it's okay. It's not bad. But we focus on the gifts. The gifts are awesome. Even focus on the fruit, the fruit, the spirit building Christ's character in us. That's awesome, isn't it? But we're missing the main point. The main point is God himself came to dwell with us because he loves us, and that's what we were made for, and just so he could be with us and we could be with him. That's the point. It's not about the power. It's not about the gifts. It's not even about the fruit. It's about the relationship. And he said, I love you so much, I'm going to come, and I'm not just going to tell you from a distance. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be with you always. I'm going to display and share my love with you 24-7 by being resident in you. He delights in us. And I know this is hard. This is hard for us. Because we sometimes think God is under that hold, you know, well, I I don't like you, but I love you. Right? Because we have these things of shame for our sin or for failures. And we we, we think of God as kind of, well, he's God and he should do the right thing. So he redeemed us and that's because he's awesome and he's God. But he really doesn't like, like us. That's just not biblical. I'm not saying he likes everything we do. Okay, let's be real clear. I'm saying he loves you and delights in you like you have never loved and delighted anybody or nobody's ever loved and delighted in you. He is crazy about you. Lori and I, when the kids were little, we used to, to fight to be the first one to get to the crib. Okay? And you know why, right? Because that's the best love of the day. Okay, when they're little babies and they get up and their little hair's messed up, you know, a little hair they have, little hair's messed up, and they get up and they do the curl when you pick them up out of the crib, you know, and they just do the curl. And it's like, and then, oh, man, that's awesome stuff right there. That's the good stuff, right? So we would literally be running down the hall, pushing each other back. Lori's very fast, very fast. <laughs> Being surprised, amazed. <laughs> we would, because we're just like, they're up. Do you know God does that when you get up? He's up, she's up. Hey, morning, morning. Angels, come here, look, they're up. Bores the angel to tears talking about you. Angel's like, so you're saying you love him, God. Seems I've read that somewhere. Excellent. <laughs> we have sarcastic angels in our theology, so. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, really, you know, you think I'm going to bore you with stories of my grandkids. That's nothing to what God does because he loves you. He delights in you. That changes a person. It really does. 
We see it in kids all the time. We understand little kids who are really loved and they're confident and they're accepted. And they walk into a, a, one of our classrooms or they walk into a daycare classroom or wherever and they just start engaging with people because it's like, well, this is normal. People will respond to me. I'm loved. Of course, everybody's going to love me. That's what people do. They love me. And eventually you've got to wake them up and say, okay, you're not the only person in the world, though, that is loved, so okay, you know. But there's that confidence that comes. And then there's kids who we recognize, you can see, they don't have that confidence. They don't walk in that. Changes you. What I recognize is I don't have to earn love. This is powerful stuff right here, because we have been trained to earn love in a performance-based society. Even our theology so often is performance-based. If you do this, 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 then you can be acceptable. And in our families growing up, if you do this, 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 then you're acceptable. If you work like this, if you perform like this, if you score like this, then you're acceptable. And so we spend our lives jumping through who's performing to earn love. It can be all different kind of ways that we try to earn love. It can be achievement. Some people use humor because people like me when I'm funny, when I'm when people become enablers. I just do for everyone else because I just want to keep everybody happy. I want to keep everybody peaceful because that's when I'm loved. Some people to this day are trying to achieve and trying to do to still prove and earn the love of a parent who's long since been deceased. They don't even know why they're doing it, but they're just always, I got to do more. I got to do more. There's a drivenness. And what it is, is I'm wanting to be loved. The minute you begin to understand how much Father loves you and how much he delights in you and how he's with you and how he wants to bless you and he wants to walk with you, he wants to raise you up to things that maybe you couldn't ever imagine. The minute you grasp that, it changes you. That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Radio for Real Life. And if you'd like to hear this full message called The Greatest Thing in the series called Awake, it's available right now on demand at reallife.org. And there, if you're able to bless back your financial gifts, help this radio ministry continue. Again, look for the Give tab at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park, with service times on Saturday nights at 5 and Sunday mornings at 9.30 and 11.15. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262. As Radio for Real Life is a service of River City Community Church, We hope you join us again next time for more Real Life. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.